And welcome in to the Cap and J Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood with you. Now, time for a shot or no shot, and it's brought to you by ESPN Bet, baby. Now, live in Illinois, do what I did download the ESPN Bet app today. Sign up, and new users get $100 in bonus bets with any sports book. That we say good morning to Shay W. North. Good morning, boys. Happy Monday. Good to see both of you. How are we doing? Doing very well. I had no idea how much snow we were getting, even though we had Tracy in. I was in Terre Haute. I didn't get any, didn't see any snow. It's like 65 degrees. I came back to, to my car early Sunday morning, my 1 a.m. Like, what is all this snow in the car? Had to find, like, where's the scraper? I had to go back and try to find it. Yeah, I had wow. I had to run a couple errands Saturday morning. I get up, whoa, get my coffee, get in the car, and all of a sudden I'm fishtailing through our complex. I'm like, it's like an ice rink out here. Came back, what's this police activity in the development? Mm-hmm. And there was a fairly significant non-injury but car damage accident where one car fishtailed by the stop sign trying to stop yeah. right into another one. Got to be between the two cars, probably six grand in damage. Glass everywhere. Wow. Shay, were you safe walking, to, walking in uh, Saturday morning? I was a little icy. Yeah. I was slipping and sliding a little bit. Man. Walking in? Yeah. No way he walked here from home. You can ask him. I took the bus. Thank you. And then he walked in. The bu- wow! The bus, well, the bus doesn't put you in the building. This is true. Do I have that right, Shay? It's correct. Here's Shay Norley. All right, let's get started with shot or no shot. Chris Chelios retirement ceremony and the ensuing game more than lived up to the billing at the United Center. It was a star-studded arena. People Gosh. flooded the building. The Blackhawks and Red Wings played an overtime thriller. That ended fittingly when Patrick Kane netted a game winner in his return to the United Center. Shot or no shot, despite Kaner returning for the arch-rival wings, this was the perfect way for the game to end. That is a shot. It's a shot. Because where are the Blackhawks going? This is a rebuild. The reason why I turn on Blackhawks hockey is because of one person. That's Connor Bedard. That's the only person. Nothing against you, Luke Richardson, but I'm here to see Connor Bedard. And to see Patrick Kane get the game winner last night, Cap, was just an amazing, amazing moment because we are looking at the best Blackhawk of my lifetime. I've never said that, but I'm sharing that with you this morning. You know I'm an 80s Hawks fan. I grew up with Orville Tessier's team. I was a Savard guy my entire life. But then when you saw Patrick Kane leave, you thought, oh, God, he's one of the best American-born hockey players we've ever seen. And then you realize when he's gone how great he was. Even though I love number 18 over the years, but you can understand why Patrick Kane getting that game-winning goal and how the place erupted. That wasn't all Detroit fans. That was Chicago, that was Chicago fans that was able to get that done. Think about the sound. Drop back, Jones. Jones right in, saved by him, a rebound save. Look out here. Look at this. Wide Look at this. Touch center ice. It's Patrick Kane in Chicago. Three to two. The 
who sets up Kane for the game winner. Alex Dabrinkit. Perfect. Perfect. Look, I don't want our teams to lose, but that was magnificent. Unbelievable. Shot for the question. That was a magnificent night. And as badly as the Bulls fumbled the ring of honor, the Blackhawks hit a freaking home run how they did it. They bring Chelios out on the ice in his own car, that 62 Cadillac. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. He drives that around town. I was at a stoplight last summer. Top down. I'm like, hey, Chris. Hey, Cap. How are you? Yeah. It was amazing. And to have his mom there in that custom-made Chris Chelios Blackhawks jacket and all his kids there, it was spectacular. You see that, Shay? You can put together a perfect night for a legend. And that's exactly what the Blackhawks did, a perfect night. I know it sounds strange, but as I saw the breakaway <laughs> and I saw the Brinkett to Kane, I didn't see a Red Wings sweater. I saw the Blackhawks sweater. I did. Even though it was against the Blackhawks, I saw them as Blackhawks doing that. And I, when you got a Blackhawks reaction as if this was in Detroit, you heard that crowd. That's a pro Blackhawks crowd, and they cheered Kane. That is, it may sound bizarre, but it was a great night for the Chicago Blackhawks and for Patrick Kane, the greatest Hawk I've ever seen. It was awesome. And Shelley's Red Wings beat Shelley's Blackhawks. Yeah. And it was yeah. cool when Shelley said <laughs> Patrick just, Kane just will go down as the greatest American-born hockey player of all time. It's just, <laughs> and so we know the rivalry over the years. We're supposed to hate the Red Wings. But it's, I, almost, I can set that aside when one, my favorite Blackhawk is in a Red Wings sweater and doing that on home ice for the Blackhawks. Huh, come on now. The symmetry. I told you in the parking lot this morning, I said, you know, I love Frank Thomas as a player. Frank Thomas is an A. I went to go see his first game as an Oakland A. He hits, he hits two home runs. The first home run he hit, I stood and applauded Frank Thomas, even though it was against the White Sox. And many Sox fans applauded him, too. Then he hit the second one. Then I gave him the middle finger. That's enough. The one home run's fine. Two, that's enough. Now you're just an A. It was, it was magnificent. I remember that A game when he hit the two home runs. God. I didn't know you back I then. I was there. No, we knew each other. Did we? Yes. What year would that have been? Uh, recently. Shay. Wow. All right, I want to go back to this. Uh, like nine, oh, it must have been 2001 or two. Yeah, we did know each other. Shay wants to talk now. Go, Shay. That little sidebar brought to you by Prevagen. <laughs> I, I want to go back to this Peter King nugget in his column Punch this morning um, about the Bears potentially trading the number one pick. Evan Cohen talking about it on Sportsmanlike this morning. It was Cap mentioned at pre-show. It was like he read my mind or he has this room bugged. Moments after I off-air said to Cap, you know, with the cap space increase, the Bears could theoretically trade out of one, draft somebody like J.J. McCarthy, a guy we all think can be good but can't start right away, and sign Kirk Cousins. And then Evan Cohen said the same thing. So I just want to ask the two of you, shot or no shot, the Bears could, should draft J.J. McCarthy and sign Kirk Cousins if they trade the top pick. No shot. It's a no shot for me, because, and, and this is no diss at Kirk Cousins. I just think there's a ceiling on his success. Agreed. He's going to help the Bears win. He'll help the Bears get to the playoffs. And then what? I just, I just think, and, and, and again, 
this is not saying that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback because, again, it's just research. One Google search, you can see how much production that Kirk Cousins has put up. It's been amazing. But do you feel like you can win the championship in a year or two? And can Kirk Cousins get you there? The answer is no to both. Yeah, I, I just don't see Ryan Poles deciding to pay $40 million or more oh. to Kirk Cousins coming off an Achilles tear at 35, turning 36 years old, and then in two years going, Caleb Williams is in the Super Bowl? I could have had that. Mm-hmm. No chance. I don't see it. It's a, it's a no shot for me. I understand the no question, shot. but I just uh, and then we get back to our conversation last week. Go, who would you pay that money to? The quarterbacks, forty million or plus, if not Kirk Cousins, and whom? I think there's maybe five other guys. Are you talking about anybody or guys just, available? Just wait for around the NFL. We'll get into it. Oh, that's, wow. that's some foreshadowing. I look forward to that. All right, Jay. All right, there are a few coaches this offseason deciding to skip the NFL's scouting combine. Rams coach Sean McVay. Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy, Jets coach Robert Sala, Packers coach Matt LaFleur added his name to the list this weekend. And there's an expectation Niners coach Kyle Shanahan will not be there. The explanation, combine workouts are filmed, interviews can be done virtually. The coaches are starting to think it's a waste of time to go to Indianapolis. Shot or no shot, the combine has become less important than the Senior Bowl and Pro Days. That would be me. I'm going to say no shot, but the head coaches do not need to be there. They do not. This is for the personnel department. They get 15 minutes to interview Caleb Williams. The head coach is not going to be doing that. That's for the GM. He is going to spend 15 minutes with Caleb Williams and Drake May and all these other guys. He is. The head coach sitting there watching guys run around in shorts, that's a waste of their time. Yeah, I mean, if I'm a head coach in the National Football League, I would go. I would go. Unless I'm Andy Reid at the, the tip of the spear in National Football League play as a, as a perennial Super Bowl champion, uh, I'm going. And the reason why that I'm going is because I'm part of the team, too. Like, it's not like I'm going to be talking to those guys in, those, you know, in, the, in their underwear anytime soon, these guys that are going to be in the fifth and sixth round. But I like to be around football. Hey, I see something. What do you see? It's just communication. I mean, it's one thing to sit back at your, at your desk, Cap, and then open up the file. All right, tell me what you saw in Indianapolis. And open it up. Yep, that, that looks good. All right, let's do that. I like my own eyes. You'd be there, too. You'd be there. You'd be in Indianapolis because you trust your eyes, too, because then you'd say, here's what I saw. What do you see? But there's really not a lot to see. You watch guys bench press. What am I watching? If okay. I'm the head coach. You can't, you can't get anything out of work ethic by watching that, huh? Nothing? Come on. It's all filmed. I can watch all of it. Okay. I, I, I'm talking, well, I'll speak for myself, and I will say that I would rather be there. It does mean something to me. I enjoy the networking aspect of it. but That's part of it also. That, that part I would enjoy. Yeah. I always liked that, going to the Final Four and networking with Coach. I loved it. In terms of watching the drills, if I'm Andy Reid, no. Zero. You're a scout in saying that. You. I'm talking about if I was the head coach. If I was the head coach. You'd be there. I would not be at all the drills. I would be networking. Would I be sitting there when Poles is interviewing Caleb Williams or Drake May? Yeah. I'm not saying that as a head coach you sit there with a stopwatch. But you just want it. You're observing. 
you're watching the work ethic of yeah, a player. Yeah, I like being in the action. Yeah, well. I like that. Yeah, I, I think that it does. It would matter to me because yeah, I, I, cause I'm involved. I'm the head coach. I'm the face of the operation. I got to be there. Again, I'm not there with the stopwatch to see whether, how much someone bench presses or how fast they run, but I would be interested. I would be. The film or not, it's something like live action. Right. Tape lies, you know. I mean, you're not getting any football plays, really. So, but would I go for the other part of it? Intel? Intel. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd go for. Here's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Shay. All right, one big story from over the weekend. Duke's Kyle Filipowski was injured when Wake Forest fans stormed the court immediately after the end of the game. They ran over uh, Filipowski, and he sprained his ankle. Still, I don't think any update on how much time he's going to miss, if any. The status was in question after the game. But Duke head coach John Shire did say this in his postgame availability. Disappointed we lost. Uh, but look, for me, it's... I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storm? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. Shot or no shot, court storming needs to be banned. There's got to be a better protocol for it where you have, and I'm not talking about, goofs and yellow jackets that have a part-time job i'm talking about police officers that okay get them down here looks like there's going to be an upset and make sure duke can get off the floor before a bunch of maniac students rush the court it's a great visual when you pull an upset like that it's super cool but there's no scenario where they should be pushing kyle filipowski in the back that should not ever happen. Filipowski, number one, stuck his leg out trying to defend himself. You know, trying to trip. If you go back and look at the film, he's trying to trip one of those, those students. And he paid for it because he got trampled, run over, and his ankle got sprained, right? Okay, so I'm trying to think, Cap, because I've heard so many different ways to look at this, court storming, how to stop it. So... You know, I've heard the, the philosophy of, well, get the starters off the floor, and then when you do that, just bring in five reserves. Either way, you're still getting players that could be in peril. It doesn't matter who's on the floor. If it's the opposition, like we saw with Duke, you still have an opportunity to get trampled because people run on the floor quickly. If there's something from the NCAA that says, if you storm the court, your team will lose, will that matter to students? No. I mean, because I mean, that could be an edict. Like, if you storm the court, your team automatically loses after all that hard work they put in. They could do that. Yeah, they would never. I, I don't think they would ever go to that level. I just think there should be a ring of police officers that, boom, they get on the court. And you want to have your fun? We're getting these kids off the floor first. Yes. But how do you tell a, a mob of kids to hang on a second, wait for them to get off the floor first, because it's not that easy, as you well know. Yeah, I mean, we just saw this with Ohio State last night, didn't we? Ohio State won a, a buzzer beater. They beat Michigan State at the buzzer. Yeah. Okay. So, say for instance, that was at the, say that was in Columbus. How do you stop that? It's not like the old school cap where they got a big rope around around the perimeter of the of the floor. Hang on right. a second. Right. Like, how do you stop that? 
how do you stop it outside of having it's more than just fines because fines don't matter to college um, to, to these programs. If you say that you're going to lose the game, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I don't know that Filipowski was in the wrong here. I heard Chris Canty say that. I couldn't disagree more. Well, the film is what it is. I mean, he stuck his leg out there. I mean, he did. I'm, but, he but, got- but, 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 but I guess my point is that he didn't deserve to be injured. But the foot, but the leg was out there first. As I as I say, stated, he stuck his leg out there. I think kind of to defend himself. Well, he was he's seven feet tall. I mean, it's not that easy for him to just cut and move to get away from you know a thousand students rushing the court, and they did shove him in the back. The leg was extended first, though. It's, it's right there on the film. It's fine. But uh, the, the the overarching point is is that I don't know how to be able to stop that because if you're a fan, I mean, you're into it. You love it. You love that your team was able to win. Yeah. And you want to share that moment. And outside of just of, of making the other team lose, I don't know what it is. I don't know how you stop that. But I don't think we hold up Filipkowski and just say he's a victim in this situation. Yeah, he got hurt. But, I mean, this happens all the time. It happened to Caitlin Clark, didn't it? Caitlin it happened Clark? to Caitlin Clark. She gets hit in the face? Yes. That shouldn't happen? Never. Absolutely not. Never. And there's not enough, there's not enough security to stop it either. Correct. There isn't. There's not enough Andy Frayn ushers to stop to stop these people from coming out of the floor. I mean, what, three, four thousand people on the floor at the same time? Correct. But in the Wake Forest victory, I didn't see the aftermath of the Caitlin Clark. I just knew about it. The Wake Forest victory was already sealed. It was a four point lead in the final seconds. Yes. So the game's over. Mm-hmm. The police should be down there right away. It's not a buzzer-beating jump shot. Mm-hmm. And down there going, we're getting these kids right off here and form a, a ring, and they get in, bam, gone. I thought that manager did a great job running out there to help that kid, yeah. Filipowski. Yeah. So I'm going to watch the video again while we're at break, and we'll see. All right. Around the NFL, Jesse Rogers at 835 on Cap and Jay Hood. Good morning. Glad you're along for the Cap and Jay Hood experience. We're here weekdays from 7 to 10 on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN. Hello. Chicago. Good morning. Nick Foles sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and then he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean... What's the answer you're looking for on these things here? Right? Time now to go around the National Football League here on Cap and Jay Hood. We'll hear from Jesse Rogers with the latest on the Cubs and Sox, everything else MLB. But first, around the NFL, here's brother Shane Orlick. Shane? Right over the weekend, a piece of news that I think a lot of fans won't really care about that much that I think is absolutely enormous. The salary cap increased by a record amount, $30 million, from 220 to 250 And the NFL, all 32 teams, have a lot to play with now. If you don't think teams are going to take advantage of this, look no further than the Bengals, who a day before this were rumored to be mulling over letting T. Higgins walk and addressing wide receiver in free agency so that their cap sheet wouldn't become too much of a problem. Well, you hand them a $30 million gift card, they immediately tag T. Higgins. So T. Higgins is now off the market. There is a Bears angle on this. There is no longer any excuse to not make Jalen Johnson the highest paid cornerback in football. You just got a gift card. Unless you don't believe he's worth it. Then you go get a replacement. Who's the, uh, is it LeJarius Sneed is a free agent? Yes. So if you felt 
he's an upgrade, then you do it. But if you truly believe, like we do, that he's top five cover corner in the league. Last you... year, statistically, he was number one. Correct. But their film work is what their film work says. If they believe he's that good, there's no excuse not to get this deal done. The money is there, and so there's no question about it that you got to get Jalen Johnson. I mean, the money – and it, you know what? It is a big story because now for fans to look at that number, Shay, people say, okay, if there's some lingering players out there you're not sure you could sign or you don't know if you have enough money, you have enough money now. You yes. can do it. Correct. You can do it. That's correct. Bears, as of today, I have $82 million in cap space per spot track. And with a restructure on Edmonds and a trade of Justin Fields, that number goes to ninety-five. Ninety-five. You don't save any money dollars. in the Justin trade, correct? You do four million. You save four million. Uh, there you go. <laughs> the world is your oyster, Cap. Number one draft pick. All that money that you could spend. No one said you got to spend every dime, but you have some capital to work with. That's a positive. You don't keep it in the coffers. You spend it on quality to get your team better. Shay. Uh, the Bears also need to be really aggressive in hunting free agents, like Daniel Hunter, who's expected to be out in Minnesota, or if the Chiefs are unable to keep Chris Jones, or if the Chiefs are unable to keep Cap Legarius Sneed, or if the Dolphins are unable to keep Christian Wilkins. I mean, the list goes on. The point is, this is the time right now to be aggressive. You just got a present from the league. Here's $30 million. You could have $95 million to play with. This is the year where you actually make it worthwhile to spend it. Like, I don't want to see one-year deals to piecemeal to get to the salary floor like we have seen. I want to see big spending, aggressive spending. I agree. Now, we keep hearing, and I'm trying to remember who wrote it last week, maybe it was Biggs, that Ryan is not going to be as aggressive big game hunting as people might be speculating. He'll be very calculated in his maneuvers. That's fine. As long as you have setter addressed, mm-hmm. you s- draft, free agent, trade, whatever, get an AA receiver. And by the way, our guy Albert Breer just posted news from Ohio State. Marvin Harrison not only won't participate in any of the drills, he's not even coming to Indy. Won't even be there for the medicals. Nothing. He's working uh, at school, he's still in class and building toward his rookie season. Yeah. Um, it's one thing to be able to look at the draft and say, okay, we're going to build with more young talent for the future. Well, if the future is now, you have to be able to spend some of that money. Well, again, I, we've identified ad nauseum exactly what the Bears need to look at. There's holes to fill. Fill them with money and talent. And guys, that could be cornerstones for your franchise for the next five-plus years as you try to go for this thing. Shay. The other factor with this salary cap rising, it ain't going to stop. The NFL's not going to get less popular. The NFL's not going to get lower TV ratings the next few years. Nope. This cap is going to keep going up. They're yep. going to keep making more money, and they're going to keep raising the salary cap. That means the deals you sign right now in three years will likely be discounts. You might make somebody the highest-paid player today, but in three years... It'll be at a discounted rate. So, yesterday's price is not today's price. If you thought before that Dak Prescott wasn't getting $60 million, you better get your head right. He is now. You thought Jordan Love wasn't going to crack 50? Eh, he is now. You thought Baker Mayfield wasn't going to get into 40? Well, he is now. 
Everybody just got extra money to play with. You got to lock them up. And if you do it now, you'll get it at a discount. Price went up. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Now, you, you can't possibly believe that these teams didn't know this was coming. From the reporting around it, the teams got $15 million more million than they expected. If you don't have another quarterback in the pipeline, Cap, like Tampa, perfect example, then this is what it is. It's, <laughs> it's where the price is right now. Shea is right when we talk about the television ratings and the amount of money that will, teams will have a chance to spend in the next three to five years. It's only going to get more then and more. You, then you better be convinced beyond belief that the guy you're signing is worth it because the Titans paid Ryan Tannehill didn't work out Daniel Jones didn't work out you cannot pay for a very average quarterback I understand but understand this is that you will know the haves and haves nots in the National Football League everyone plays at the same playing field the same level playing field financially but you know the good organizations and the bad. There's some old school owners that will still look at this whole thing and say, there's no way I'd pay $50 million for a quarterback that's middling. Well, if that's the price, that's what you got to pay. Some would say, I'm moving on. I'll go to a rookie quarterback instead. Like, like some in baseball will do or some in basketball would do. Everyone's on the same playing field. I was, as I always say, the whole league's 8-8 eight and eight is what you do with that 8-8. Eight eight. Everyone's average. But the quarterback makes you better. The, the de- defense makes you better. The coaching staff makes you better to get you over the hump. But there are some in the National Football League in, in which there are no real small markets, really, that will say, I'm not paying that price for a quarterback. Some won't do it. Some, some of the worst will say, ah, we'll just, we'll just get one from the draft. We'll just develop one. Nah. We'll put it on defense. We'll put it on offensive line. You were running the Bucks. Would you give Baker Mayfield $45 million a year for five years? Yeah, I don't have anybody else in the pipeline. I got no other choice. 45 might be a ri- bit rich for my blood, but I think like I pay him what Daniel Jones makes. That's what it is. What are you going to do? And then I call up the Giants. I call up the Mara family and go, F you. I have to do this because of you. Yeah. <laughs> what else am I going to do? Cap? It's, it's a conundrum, man. As long as I don't cripple my franchise with him getting the lion's share of the money. If I could still spread that money out and be able to get key free agents and other... I mean, it's what it is. And but, that's the point. $60 million for Dak was a hamstring a week ago. Now, the percent comes down. It sounds crazy, but here's here we are. And it's only going to get more and more because of the popular the National Football League. Here's where we are. Wow. It's not the, the hamstringing for me financially. Mm-hmm. It's committing to mediocrity. Well, we don't have anybody else, so pay him. And now I'm not only paying a fortune, I got a mediocre player. I'm not saying it's right, but it's the league. Right, but if I owned a team, I wouldn't want to do business that way. That's why I'm drafting whoever my G... Look, I keep You'd be drafting you. a new quarterback every four years, then. Until you find... Or every three years. Until you find the top three quarterback in the league. You're Ron so, Wolf. I, I would be bringing in a guy in every draft trying to develop him. That's right. Every draft. Yeah. What do we got in the seventh round? Uh, we got the highest rated guys, this, you know, swing tackle guard. Is there a quarterback on the board? Yeah, we have a decent grade on this. Take him. 
Looking for the next party. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Jesse Rogers, the latest in the Cubs and Sox on the Captain J Hood Morning Show. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back to Captain J Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. It's the Cap and J Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. The 8 a.m. hour brought to you by the Village of Bolingbrook. Elevate your business at bbolingbrook.com. Jesse Rogers is with us covering the Cubs and Sox like a blanket for ESPN Chicago and ESPN.com. And he joins us on the hotline. That'd be the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Good morning to you, Jess. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to uh, go to ahead. Meet. Whiz all over it. Come on no, now. Excited to re-meet Cody Bellinger in the next 24 hours. The Cubs should announce it soon. They do have to make a move on their 40-man roster. Look, go back to the beginning of the offseason. I did not think this was going to happen. I think you could see why if someone else makes a big bigger offer of any kind he's probably gone a long time ago right but jed uh stuck to his guns he stuck to his guns maybe he read the market with the rsn situation maybe he just felt this is what he's worth and you know we've been critical of jed over over time he won't put his push his chips all in but there is a good part of that right they evaluate a player and they stick to their guns to the point where they won't even care if someone else is bidding on him they will stick to what their evaluation is. Sometimes that can be bad if you really want a player and someone else offers more, but sometimes it can be good. They don't care about the rhetoric. They don't care about other offers. They stick to their guns, and eventually Boris came down to the shorter-term deal, which is exactly what the Cubs want because they have the second-ranked farm system, and they don't want to get tied up into a long-term contract. And frankly, for a guy, some people question. I don't. I think he proved himself last year. And here we go, he's back, and this makes them a contender in the division. Before, two days ago, they weren't. Now they are. All right, go clear two spots on the 40-man and go get me Blake Snell on a similar shorter deal. Yeah, I, that's not going to happen. Snell and Montgomery are not going to happen, but I will say there is still an opening for Matt Chapman on a shorter-term deal to create this gold-glove infield that would probably match anybody in the game, and that would push Morrell to be a DH and sometimes outfielder. I don't think, from my sourcing, that Snell and Montgomery are in the mix, but I don't think that uh, Chapman's door is completely closed. Now, here's the thing. Whoever they bring in, if they bring in someone else, that puts them over the luxury tax, which, what do we care, right? You want to be a contender? Go over the tax. Uh, The Bellinger signing brings them right to the brink, Another signing would put them over, barring you know multiple guys being traded to clear up space. And, of course, if they signed a guy like Chapman, they probably would have to trade at least Madrigal, but that only opens up a few million. Jesse, when you talked to Scott Boris, what was the conversation like? What would you guys cover? Yeah, it was interesting. He was pretty honest about the market this offseason, and it is pretty obvious outside the Dodgers and I guess the Giants, but the Giants are in a separate category because they're, they're – they're trying to lure players. I've talked to you guys about this before. They will overspend. They will do whatever it takes. There aren't a lot of teams spending. And the normal teams that he goes to, the Padres, the Phillies, the Mets, they, they weren't spending. And he, he admitted that the market didn't develop. But what he was clear on was we always kind of knew we could get this kind of deal for Bellinger. And I, I do believe him on that. Three years with two opt-outs. 
uh, you know, they could always get that. What he forego was a five-year kind of deal for mid-range kind of money because that would put him as a free agent at like 33, and that's not what you want to do. So he felt if I'm not getting the life-changing eight-year deal, I want him to be a free agent again before 30 years old, and he'll be able to do it up to three times, you know, two opt-outs and then the third year. So he has three chances to be a free agent before around, right around, by, by, by the time he turns right around 30 years old. He's 28 now. So that was the key for Boris. If he has another big year, he thinks the RSN money, you know, the TV situation will be figured out, and, and hopefully teams will spend more. Again, seeing Bellinger do it for two years. So this is why it really didn't hurt Bellinger to hold out this long because he could always get this deal, right? This is not some huge thing. So that was kind of what, what, what Boris stressed. But there's no doubt, he admitted, the, the, the seven, eight-year deal was not there. Let me ask you a question, Jess. As this whole thing goes on, David Sampson posted, who's a former president of the Marlins and now works in the media, David Sampson posted, stop at the collusion talk. There is no collusion. This is simply GMs going, I've had enough of getting played by Scott Boris, not giving him what he wants. I don't know that for sure. I mean, if that's his opinion. Has he talked to GMs? I mean, I'd have to talk to a bunch of GMs specifically about it, and obviously they wouldn't go on the record. I just think it's the market, the RSN situation, and the, and, the, and and certain teams that normally spend aren't spending, where a team like the Cubs spend a little bit differently. They don't they don't go crazy with their with their expense account like the Padres or Phillies or, or the Mets do. And again, there's a lot of good in that with Tom Ricketts and Jed Hoyer. Sometimes there's some bad because they're going to miss out on some great players. I'm not ready to declare some war on Scott Boris. I'm not there. But I do agree that I, th- I think he thought there were some longer-term deals to be had, and they're not there. He still made $80 million for a client uh, and gave him three, you know, two more chances to be a free agent or three more chances to be a free agent. So it's not all bad, but he didn't make the life-altering you know, sort of deal. So let's see. I-, I don't know if that's true or not. This year it was true. Will it be true next year? I don't know. Jesse, just based on being around uh, Craig Council, did he give you uh, an opportunity to kind of look at the Cubs and do you have a kind of a feeling exactly kind of the uh, kind of baseball that they want to play, uh, the type of philosophy that he brings to the team? And have we seen that this spring, actually? Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt run prevention is a big part of it. And you have to remember when, again, you come from a small market, whether it be Madden or Council, you're relying on other things to win than your normal hey, let's put the 27 Yankees together. Your run prevention is a huge part of his deal. Um, that's why I think he wants to see Morrell every day in spring training. Can he play third base? Otherwise, you know, maybe they get Chapman or maybe they make another, uh, another move. So that's a huge thing. And what's been interesting at camp is the individualized work he's doing. This is different than any camp I've seen. This is the, the nuance Craig Council brings. In the morning before games now, it's a lot of, Okay, Patrick Wisdom at third base by himself with three coaches, ground balls. Then it's uh, 20 minutes later, it's Morell's turn. And then an hour later, it's, and then that's how he's doing the very individualized coaching, something you don't get during the regular season. So run prevention is a big part of his thing. He is really waving off questions about the batting order, as most managers do. We all make such a big deal out of it. Everyone's critical of, uh, of every manager. And most of them just wave it off. I'll figure that out later. My best hitters will be at the top. I'm not saying it's inconsequential. It means nothing. But it's not this daily thought that, that 
the rest of us put into it. So at some point, he will start running out a, a real leadoff man. He's had Hap up there. He's had Horner. You know, certainly he's seeing, he's watching, but he's not really you know, putting it together just yet. So all that's to come. But run prevention, to answer your question, is a big part of it, Jay Hood. More with Jesse right around the corner on Cap and Jay Hood. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Cap and Jay Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Make sure you check out Jesse on ESPN.com for all his columns from the desert, Cubs, Sox, everything else, MLB. As Jesse joins us here every Monday and Friday. So, Jess, let's talk about Craig Council because there's a really good article by Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic about Jed Hoyer telling the staff when they hired him, okay, it's going to be uncomfortable. This guy, he wants things a certain way, and if they're not his way, you're going to hear about it. And he said one of the first things he said to Craig after doing all his background, going, all right, I want to I meet with him November 1st. I hear you can be difficult to work with. <laughs> yeah, I think Craig would probably push back on that a little bit, just the wording of it. Mm-hmm. But but the, what's important to know is he is a, for lack of a better way, like a free thinker, right? He just doesn't go with the flow because he's been doing this a long time as a player, front office, manager. He has thoughts. He has thoughts. And I think that's maybe similar in some ways to Joe Madden, who had a, whole career before he arrived with the Cubs. I think it was, in in fact. Joe Madden did things a little different. Craig Council does things a little different. I think if you want to talk about, like, David Ross, more of, like, your traditional baseball man, right? And I think uh, Kenny said it in that article. Like, the front office gave Ross his marching orders, and he went about it. I'm not talking about making the batting order, but you know what I mean. Ross stayed in his lane as manager. Guys like Madden and Council are more free thinkers and will push back on things. They just won't agree with everything. I think that's more about it than being difficult to work with. I've known Craig a long time, and I've always thought of him as that kind of a guy. Like a, like as a reporter and you're asking him a question, you better not ask him one just to get an answer. He's not going to give you that, that trite answer. He's going to give you something more in-depth. I think he, he works the same way within a team, and I think that's really interesting to watch, just like it was with Joe Madden. So... He comes in here, he talks about defense and the importance of defense and the total player. It's not just what's his stats. i got to know about the makeup of the guy. So how different will the Cubs, not the names, but the way they play look to the average fan? I don't think that different. I don't think that different. I think he he will just tie up any loopholes. Like This is what I said when he was hired. He's just so good at all parts of being a manager there's so much we won't see as 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 average you know, as fans or, or reporters or whatever it's so much behind the scenes that's what the great ones do they do it behind the scenes so when they get out on the field it's they're maximizing their talent look he's not a miracle worker they're not going to go from 83 to 100 wins with this team but they might go from 83 to 90 because he will tie up all those little things so i think it's more about behind the scenes and the communication it's like I said when he delivered his opening message. It's not what they say, because they all say similar stuff. It's how they say it. And the great ones say it in a way that connects. And I think that's the key, and it's a lot of, a lot of it behind the scenes. So greater wins above replacement, Bellinger or Council? Well, it's, it's still Bellinger. I mean, it's a left-handed slugger, go-glove type of outfielder. It's still Bellinger. But Council's there. That's you, why he's getting 
Yeah, but you gave us 90 wins there because of counsel. Uh, uh, so the question I'm going to ask you and I'm gonna ask, we're going to ask Jed when we get him on as well is, what is it that counsel brings that Ross didn't? Because it sounds like from what you're telling us, a little bit more accountability, a little bit more of a twisting of the screws, a tightening of the screws on this Cubs team. That maybe, maybe yeah, is that fair? Maybe, but I think th- that's one thing. I think it's a little bit of everything. It's maybe a little bit better bullpen manipulation. It's a little bit understanding what what each player needs in the day. It's just that the experience he brings. I can't give you one thing or this thing. It's and I'm sure Jed would say the same thing. It's going to be the total package. A lot of it behind the scenes now i say 83 to 90 or close to 90 i mean in a best case scenario because if you base it off of last year it's an 83 win team it's a similar team they had a plus 96 run differential or something crazy that should have been about four or five more wins that's what jed talked about leaving wins on the table so this is again all on paper we have to see it play out but is he worth three or four wins Potentially, counsel in 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 the war world. Yes, yeah, I think he is a three four war war manager, and and that would put them in the playoffs. Any sacks news? <laughs> I, I mean, no news. But you know, I, I watched that game Friday, and then Maldonado, you know, talked about not running out the first ground ball. He hits it's the, the first week of spring training for I know Christ's it's so funny. Sake. That's the one time no one's going to be critical. He's thirty seven years old. He's a catcher. And it's the first day he addressed the team to apologize yeah. for not running a ball out. What is going on? Yeah, they're 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 they're. They're going so far in the other direction about culture that, okay, it's actually a good thing. But, yeah, I think that's a little over the top. But I think they know how bad it was in the past that they're not going to let anything slip by. And I don't think there's any doubt that Maldonado has had conversations with Grafal and or Getz about sort of changing that culture. So here's a chance. It's almost like, you, I mean, in a different world, like maybe you do it on purpose so then you can address it. I'm not saying he did, but, like, they want to address this culture change so much that they found an opportunity uh, on the first day of games. And so he did that. He didn't run out of ball. I saw it. I mean, Maldonado, how do you know when Maldonado's running hard? You don't you can't tell the difference. <laughs> so, I mean, other than that, it's it's like I said, 70 players in camp. They're just trying to work through it and, and, and find 26 that can that can go north with them. But it, it, it's going to be a long season. Let me let me praise the Cubs on, on one other thing, by the way. I mean, it's a oh, good day. Bell- well, I know it's a good day. Bellinger's back. But there's one thing I want to tell fans. It does remind me of 2014 in one way. I remember in 14 staying and watching closely the end of spring training games. Why? Because that's when Javi Baez would show up. That's when Chris Bryant would enter the game. That's when Kyle Schorber would get a chance. Late in games is when you see prospects fill in for the starters and now all of a sudden you're seeing matt shaw you're seeing ben brown you're seeing um who else is is out there owen casey the end of games this year in spring training is feeling like the end of 14 i mean let's give jed credit in 21 their farm system was a disaster now this is all on paper but in two years they have jumped up to second according to espn in 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 rankings in farm system and you got to give them credit for that. Now, it has to produce. It certainly did after 14, and we'll see if it does again. But signing Bellinger and watching these guys late in games, it's been a good couple days for the, for the Cubs. Any sacks? No, no I got, <laughs> got a question about Cease. What's the latest yeah. on, on Cease? Uh, the likely suitor. Yeah. Could, it be the, could it be the Yankees? That's the question. Yeah, that, that's been out there. I think, for, like I've said before, from, from, the, from this day to July 31st, his name will be out there. The Sox are not beholden to the calendar. 
Getz said that. He said that recently. He even mentioned like a May trade. That never happens. But if there's an injury in May, maybe that happens. And certainly in spring training, if there's another injury, we see Baltimore's had one. If, if the Yankees are seeing some issues, then yes. So my point is this. It could happen at any time. You know, just like with Bellinger in the middle of the night, like you, de- you never can know exactly with timing. A team realizes they don't have enough pitching or certainly an injury. But I would be on C-Swatch from today until July 31st if you're a White Sox fan. You were a little negative the last couple of hits, so I'd like you to get the Chapman thing done sooner rather than later. Get back in our good graces. <laughs> well, I was that 51-49 against on Bellinger, but it was always a percentage play. And what I meant was that, and I think my reporting was correct, I said the Cubs will not blink. They will not go up to Boris. But what I didn't know was if anybody else would. I don't know what the Giants are thinking or the Blue Jays. So knowing what the Cubs, you know, the, that they want, I just didn't know if someone else would. But turns out nobody else gave him the big offer. And so finally they came to the exact contract I thought could happen if he resigned. Three years, two opt-outs. So that was my point about being 51-49 against. Maybe there's a chance with Chapman, but here's the key. They have to go over the tax. And, Cap, you know this as much as anybody. Tom Ricketts don't like playing taxes. He doesn't like playing taxes. But maybe they will this time around because they do have a contending team within that division. This might, this kind of a deal might put them over the top. It doesn't take much to win the Central. And uh, uh, that kind of an infield might do it. But we'll see. We'll see. First things first, they have to introduce Bellinger. They have to DFA someone or put someone on the 60-man injured list. So that should happen in the next 24 hours. Get it done. We always. We appreciate it, Jess. Thank you. All right, boys. Talk to you later in the week. Bye, Jess. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Wow. Peter King suggested that the Bears could trade the top pick and a great night for a legend on the west side. If you're on hold, you will be on the air on the Cap and J-Hood Morning Show. Two minutes. Hey, it's Michael Kopech. You're listening to Cap and J-Hood on ESPN Chicago, the home of the Chicago White Sox. Bet.